Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Qualified, the place where incredible people share their stories of overcoming great adversity and loss to inspire you and give you hope. I'm Michelle Heaton. With me today is another mom who has a story to tell about the loss of her child. She, of course, endured incredible pain and sorrow in those early months and years following his passing. But because of the love and support of her family and friends and a deeply rooted faith, she has emerged with lessons that can benefit us all. Welcome to Qualified, Mary. Thank you for having me, Michelle. Of course. In previous episodes, I've talked with two other bereaved parents who shared about the emotions associated with the sudden death of their children. But today, we'll talk about receiving a terminal diagnosis for your child and the impact that it has on a mother and a family. Today, we'll talk about your son, Nathaniel, and how, when he was 24 years old, he was diagnosed with a rare illness known as germ cell cancer. He went through surgery and rounds of chemo, and doctors believed that he had beat it, and then later you all learned that his cancer had returned. Mary, what was it like for you to receive that news and then only to have a week to spend with Nate before he passed away? I was devastated. I was in shock. I was angry. I mean, just so much of a gamut of emotions because we watched him endure chemo every day. We watched him, you know, rebound from that, have surgery, rebound from that, only to find out that the cancer came back and very aggressively. Mm. Well, we know that everybody copes with loss in different ways. How much time did you spend in that deep, grief after he passed away. And can you tell us about some of those feelings that were so hard to get through back then? I don't know. I don't think grief ever leaves. I mean, I think you go through different stages of grief. Mm -hmm. But for myself, it literally took me almost 10 years to get that full joy back into my life. I mean, there were spots, and of course you you hang on to all the memories, you hang on to all the pictures. You know, we would get together every anniversary of his birthday, every anniversary of, you know, his death and and just relish in the fact. And I mean, then you do come to a point where you begin to be thankful. Thank you, God, that I had 25 years with my son. Thank you for allowing me to to be his mom. Thank you that he had a close relationship with his other siblings. And Nate was just very witted and loyal. And, you know, if he touched your life, it's something that you're going to always remember. As a mom losing a child, did you ever look back over his life and experience any feelings of regret? And how did you deal with that? I don't think there was a lot of regret as far as an raising the kids. I think, you know, as a mom, you always think you probably should have put the dishes aside and played with them more and that kind of thing. But the only regret I really have is when Nate ended up back in the hospital and I was still working at the time and I worked for a large corporation that really didn't know how to treat their employees mm-hmm. other than the aspect of a number. 
and Nate ended up back in the hospital, and he was very sick. He went in with septic, and after them treating him for that for like a day and a half, he called me and he said, they want to intubate me. What should I do? And I said, well, Nate, don't even go there. You'll, you'll be fine. And I said, don't be afraid. I'll get there as soon as I can. And what I should have done at that point is just leave work. But when you're working for a place that would threaten your job or not work with you as far as overriding time off or vacation, mm. I mean, you do what you have to do, so I stayed. And that, that's my biggest regret. I should have just left work then and went to be with my son because when I did finally get to the hospital, he was intubated and he never came out of it. So I never got to speak to him or where he was able to respond back to us. Right. So that was, you know, and I still, I mean, yes, your job is important, but your family should be more important. Yeah. I know I experienced some of that too. I beat myself up a little bit about the things I wish I had done, spent more time and work too for me working full-time and having him come home and kind of be a latchkey kid. And I guess I just wish that I had more time. But work got in the way. Well, we always wish for more time. Yeah. yeah. So you said that Nate knew his condition was terminal in those last days. And I know the time you spent at his bedside was incredibly hard, but so important. So... How did you manage during those visits, and what words did you say in an attempt to show him love? I think just being present. I don't know. I think you, it's almost like you get a, a shroud of something covering you. I don't know if it's shock. I don't know if it's denial. But you just kind of, I mean, even in that state, I didn't think he was going to die. Even in that state, I just thought he's going to rebound and he'll be okay and he'll be back home. So some of my thoughts were just hanging on to he's here and he's going to be okay. And he was for, you know, some time, but the cancer just got him in the end. You told me about a scripture from the Old Testament in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 that had deep meaning for you. Can you talk about what that verse is and the significance? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back because right after Nate passed, I, I was looking through, the Bible is very important to me, and I was looking into the Bible for like an answer. Mm. Why did this happen? Show me something, Lord. And this was probably the fifth year of his death where I was just doing some daily reading and it's verse 1 where it talks about, better is it on the day of a man's death than the day of his birth. And I just got this excitement to know that my son, even though in the flesh he's dead, he's not. He's with my Lord and Savior, and one day I'm going to see him again. Mm -hmm. One day we'll be able to be together again, and that just brought a spark of hope in me that I didn't have for those first five years. So it just brought a little bit back into my heart of, of 
joy and this is going to be okay. This will eventually be okay. Yeah, that the scripture goes on to say something like it's better that better to spend time at funerals than at parties. It just kind of elaborates on that. And I remember when I interviewed Pastor Jeff in a previous episode, he was talking about how he officiates at weddings and at funerals. And he said at weddings, he'll stand up there and he's giving a message along with the ceremony. And he said, nobody's listening because all they can think about is the cake and the booze and the reception and the honeymoon. But he said at funerals, he has everyone's undivided attention. And so I think that's, that's what that scripture means is it's deeply meaningful. The day you die is better than the day you were born. That's what it's all about. I mean, I, I've been to funerals where people call them celebrations of life. And they're actually dancing and worshiping because they know that their loved one is going to a better place. Right. So, And I agree with that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you kind of wonder, we know that's true, and we know we'll have that reconciliation, but why do we grieve so much? Why do we, why does our heart just break? And Yeah. Yeah, it stinks. You know, I know I believe in heaven, but at the same time, why do I still grieve for my my son? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So those are a couple of the why questions that I probably will never get an answer for until I'm reunited with him. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think we always, we have that heaven knowledge, but we're always going to miss him. Going to miss him walking through the door. Was there anybody else in your family that had a really difficult time with it? His brother, I mean, they were best friends. Sean spent every night at the hospital with Nate. How's he doing now? I mean, he's doing good. In fact, the funny thing is he, not the funny thing, but he got COVID, so he's kind of quarantined. And and he sent a picture to me and his sisters. He went to the, the cemetery to visit Nate, and he says, I'm able to hang out with somebody I can, in fact, and... You know, it just brought a little spark of happiness to us in a sense. Yeah. So can you think of any incredible things that have happened that have come as a result of his passing? I'm not afraid to die anymore. Mm. I used to be very fearful of dying and what was going to happen. And I think we all do because we don't know how. But I'm not afraid of that anymore. What changed? Just... Partly that scripture we went over and partly our faith is that even though we die, we have eternal life. Mm -hmm. And I think what you mentioned is it's in your brokenness where you draw near to God and he draws near to you. Right. And I think it's in our desperation. You know, and I was desperate to see my son whole and I was desperate to see my son healed. Back in 1979, I was involved in a car accident in which I broke my neck. It was cervical C4 and 5. And we had just recently moved, so they were getting ready to transport me after being three days in ICU. And somebody came to ICU and said that you were there to pray for me. And my husband was there at the time, and they let him in. And the guy, it was a pastor from a local church, never knew him. To this day, I don't know who he is. Hmm. But he prayed and just spoke the word that I would have a slow and gradual healing and be bound to Christ the rest of my days. Wow. 
And after a three-month rehab, I had a halocast. They wanted to operate. They didn't need to. And I've been fine since. So I always believed in the power of prayer and the power of healing. So I just assumed that when my son got sick, he'd be healed too. And he wasn't. So what are your thoughts about that? Well, I've had, I've had years to process a lot, but I think the biggest is I was angry at God. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to deny. I know I pulled back for a lot of years, and I wanted to deny that healing existed, but I couldn't because it happened to me. Hmm. So it's, it's, I don't know, I was angry, I was upset. I mean, what do you do? You feel helpless. You want to take it on yourself as the parent. And when that didn't happen, I mean, you function. I had a function. I had other children at home. I was helped taking care of my mother. So you just kind of muddle through life. So you said it took 10 years, right? 10 years. And for some people, I know in the last episode, that woman I talked to, Christine, she said, It was two years before she finally felt joy again. And as she was saying that, in my mind, I was thinking, "Mm, it's more like five for me. And you said 10. Everyone's different. I have a friend um, who asked me how long it took until we cleaned out Sean's room. And that was a very big deal for me. So what were those 10 years like? Well, I think your grief is always there. You go through different depths of it as well as different healing steps. Nate died around the holidays. The holidays have always been very, very special to us and our kids and just the whole joyous thing of Christmas and presents. And and I didn't have that. I didn't have that up until the 10th year. We happened to be up in the Central Coast and went to a Christmas market, and all it was was just Christmas lights. And Ray brought it out, and he said, Mary, your face is glowing, your joy is back. And I realized then it was. And I don't know, I mean, like I said, the the years, I mean, the years tend to help in your healing. You said Ray said your joy is back. So how did your marriage hold out during, I mean, was it strengthened? Was it stretched? It was strengthened. It brought us closer, okay. which is a blessing in itself because mm-hmm. you can look at statistics and that is could be a cause of people divorcing because they grieve different. I remember reading one time that as you carry a baby, their DNA gets in, inside of you as well. So I think that's a connection that a, a mother has that a father doesn't. Yeah. I remember feeling just... So many things physically afterwards. I thought at one point I was having a heart attack. I felt like somebody had, in those first days and nights, I felt like somebody had their hand around my heart and was squeezing it. I just, I remember my husband told me, why don't you go and and get a massage? You need to relax. I was causing myself real physical problems with blood pressure and everything because of it. And so I remember this masseuse that we've known for a long time she knew what happened with Sean, and she made a comment similar to what you just said. And I said, I, just, I don't understand my body. And she said, you don't understand. And she said, with a mother, it's cellular. 
And I just went, like a light went on. Yeah, of course it is. We carried them in our bodies. And it's like having your arm amputated. It's true. That's, that's so true. But I do remember one time it was probably, I always liked organization. And organizing and putzing around is like healing therapy to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember probably about probably about a month to two months after Nate passed, I was in just straightening my closet, and it felt like something just kicked me. And the the grief was just gut wrenching. I remember looking for Ray. I remember looking for my mom. I just needed a hug. I just couldn't figure out. I mean, like I says, I you just function. You just function because you know that's what you have to do. Yeah. In the beginning, it was so surreal for me. And I just felt like I had this anesthesia or something that had to be divine because I felt like there's no way this really happened. I mean, it's sort of a denial, obviously, but I felt like if I was allowed to really experience the full reality of it, I couldn't bear it. And so God, I believe, took that from me. I refer to it as divine anesthesia because that's how it felt. But there would be moments when all of a sudden I felt like the the veil just got lifted and I got to see what really happened and it would just hit me, like you just described. And I would just lose it. And then I have to bring myself back around to the realization that he's in heaven with God. And he's good. And I had dreams. I had a lot of dreams. I had dreams. I remember one dream, and I can't put a pinpoint on the date, but I remember Nate coming over to me and kissing me on the forehead and said, Mom, I'm okay. Hmm. And that, too, added another layer of healing. I think you have to give yourself as much time as you need in each Each little thing will just take another layer of that grief, another layer of little bits of healing and so forth. I had a dream that was similar. When Sean um, first passed away, he was transported to the hospital first. So we went there, and my whole family was called, and they were there with us in the room. And then the doctors gave us the unfortunate news. And they asked us if we wanted to go in and say goodbye to Sean in the room where he was. And so each of my family members all went in there. And I did. Um, but after that, my whole family came back to my house. And we were all just sitting there, numb. And my father, who's this tough former Marine, started crying. And he said, when he went into the room to say goodbye to Sean, He heard Sean say, it's okay, Grandpa. I'm okay. Yeah. And so he told me that. And I remember later on that night telling my husband, why didn't Sean say that to me when I went in there? And I struggled with that. And later it came to me that the way I do things in my own brain, I would have discounted it and found a way to disbelieve it. But my father, I knew there was no way he would make something like that up. So I felt like, almost felt like he got that message so that I would believe it and know. And, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that it was Sean communicating with him, 
I think it's God that gives us these glimpses of heaven. Well, you have to remember the veil is just, it's just a veil into his kingdom, mm-hmm. you know. But I do remember that when they, when they were trying to release him from being intubated, I mean, he only lasted maybe 10 minutes, but during that time he was able to mouth, I love you three times. Because we were all with them, my husband, his brothers and sisters, their significant others. So it was a, a, you know, it was a beautiful, I mean, I'm glad I got that. Yeah. My heart breaks when parents lose a child due to an accident or not being able to say goodbye. Yeah. We did get to at least say goodbye to Nate yeah. in a weird kind of a way. No, it's a blessing. So what lessons did you learn from this great loss that you can share with others to help them in their grief journey? That control is an illusion, that we only get this one life and we have to live it to the fullest because we don't know when that day of reckoning or that day of us being called home is going to happen. I try to be more spontaneous. I try to not find offense or hold grudges. I know pictures are important. Sometimes you might get intimidated to want to take people's pictures, but really that's that's a good one. That's what you have. You have your you, the pictures that you can look back on as they are being raised, as they graduate high school, and the memories. I think part of it is people forget to talk about your loved one. They're afraid to, I don't know if they're thinking that if they bring it up, it's going to cause something or, yeah. but, but it's okay. Let people know that you're thinking of, of their departed one that you think of Nate on certain days or if something sparks a memory or a smell or just remember that and share it because they're not gone. I mean, they're gone from physical, but they're not gone. You got to remember. Just remember. Don't forget. I like that you said, don't be afraid to say their names, because I think, I think you're right. That is an issue with people, and we got to give them grace because we didn't know how to handle this uh, topic before our children died. But yeah, people tend to not want to mention their names and I know at holiday get-togethers and things like that, it would have been a blessing to me if we could have even had a seat at the table and said a special prayer or a memory or something. I I needed that in the beginning, but I think everyone didn't know what I needed and was afraid to even go there because they don't want to make you upset again. Right. Yeah. So hopefully that's something that we can pass along to somebody who's listening who who wants to understand how to interact with somebody who's hurting. Say their name. Ask how they're doing. Don't be afraid to ask. If you, if you know a griever, no matter how long it's been, it's okay to say, hey, how are, how are you doing after all these years? I'm sure it's still hard on you, right? Yeah. Well, especially dates. Dates will play a part. Birthdays, anniversaries. My biggest thing now is the what ifs. If Nate was still alive, would he, would he be married? Would he have children? Would he still be working in the tile business? The what ifs, the things that we don't know will, you know, or what things have been worse. We don't know. But we drive ourselves nuts asking these questions of why and 
Yeah, Sean's birthday is coming up on March 1st. That's and, real close. Yeah. And so I just saw one of his friends last night who came to visit, and she just had her birthday. So we were talking about, you know, her being 25. And they look so different now. They don't look like kids anymore. They're adults. And so I have to entertain that thought of what would he look like now? You know, would he be married? Would he have kids? And yeah, it's hard. It is hard. Mm-hmm. But But I do know through faith and through just leaning on God's graces, you get that peace. Yeah. And that peace stays with you. It doesn't leave. Mm-hmm. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is you need to just live, laugh, and love. Enjoy life. Enjoy life, yeah. Staying close to my family, staying close to my kids. Give yourself the time you need, and, and you will get through it. You don't think you will or you don't think you want to, but you will get through it. You know, everybody's struggling. Everybody's got something. And I just think to myself, how do people do it that don't have God? I don't want to find out. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mary, thank you so much for sharing Nate's story with us today and for all the wisdom and insight you gained as you moved forward following the loss of your dear son. And for those of you listening, it is our hope that you are inspired today by Mary's words. And if you are struggling with the loss of someone you love, please know that you too can find a place of peace and joy again in your life as you turn to God for your comfort. And remember that one day you will be able to comfort someone else with the comfort that you've received. And as always, I appreciate your feedback. So drop by my website, callmequalified.com, where you can listen to all the episodes and check out my blog and even rate the show and give me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.